cliffcentral.com Ooh, what does this button do? Please, please, do not push the button. You have no idea what it is. What the? Talking Tech with the Techie Guy, Liu Lanceke, on cliffcentral.com. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Talking Tech on CliffCentral.com. Um, in case you've ever missed one of our shows, I'm not really sure why, but if you have missed, all the podcasts are available on CliffCentral.com. Go check those out and download every single one of them. And on the show today, we've got Daryl, Daryl Lennington from RT News Africa. How's it, Daryl? Good, thanks, and you? All right, thank you. Are you ready to do this? Hell yeah. Okay, and we are talking investing. We're talking about getting startups off the ground, and we're talking about things that you should do and absolutely things you shouldn't do. And that's coming up um, with um, Aran, who's the co-CEO of the Creative Council. That's coming up shortly. But we're going to start somewhere, as we always do. And one of the very, very cool companies that I've been kind of following for a while is a company called Storedot. And one of the big things that we all rely on is battery. Yep. And we can have the most amazing devices and this whole bullshit of, you know, <laughs> Apple versus BlackBerry versus yeah. Android. All awesome. But when your phone's dead, your it's phone's dead. Um, so one of the things that, to me, the winner of the mobile wars is going to be the one who comes up with the amazing battery. Yeah, definitely. You know, the Nokia 3310 that lasts you five days. Mm. You know, one of those situations. But um, so Stordot is always a company that kind of just keeps on popping up and popping up. And you might recall that last year, um, in around April time, they had this video where they showed how a battery from a Samsung phone goes from zero to basically full in 30 seconds. That's and, insane. And that was, and everyone went, oh, it's a spoof. It's one of those, mm. it's, it's one of those kind of like YouTube viral, um, viral clips. But it turns out that it wasn't. Um, Stordot itself as a company has evolved into something called a flash battery. Yeah, yeah. Which is? Well, basically they're taking that technology and I'm now speaking to all the OEMs, all the manufacturers. Okay. And they're actually licensing that technology to be part of the battery technology of the future. Nice. So imagine you having a phone that you stick into the wall and 30 seconds later it's fully charged. But now the question comes to mind is does the phone actually have a charge limit? Like how many times can you actually charge the battery? Okay. So um, a traditional battery, a lithium, uh, lithium ion battery has got a charging cycle of 500 times. Yeah. This has got 2,500 times. Okay, yeah. Where, yeah hold on. Wait, where's my wallet? I'm yeah. just going to throw my money. Uh, the problem that is way. you cannot buy it. It's not an aftermarket thing. Um, you can't go off the shelf and kind of install this thing or, or, or buy this from a Dion or Incredible Connection. Um, not now, not ever, because they, okay. their business model is all about licensing, which is quite smart. Yeah. Let somebody else do the graft and let the battery be installed everywhere. So already being like a Samsung or Sony device. Yeah, so, and I th I'm assuming they're talking to all, the, I mean, all, all the big guys. And, and and these guys in 2012 raised 58 million um, in private funds. Wow. Um, that's US dollars, by the way. So it's 580 million rents. Give or take one or two rands, um, and because the guys see potential. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's all about the battery. But here's the kicker, and here's where it really gets interesting. The biggest, what is the biggest problem? Would you would you say is the problem with the electric vehicle? Battery power. Well, that's what it is. Logically. Uh, so why a lot of these companies have gone bang is because they just can't get enough juice out of those batteries. Yeah. And we have something called um, rider anxiety. Yeah. Which means that oh, I'm not going to take this trip if I have my electric vehicle because I might not make it home. And mm. so do I buy this car or not? I mean, yeah, there's, there's always that trip to work and back. And then sure. all, all of a sudden you want to go out for dinner. But can, can I you really do get it? home? And especially, especially if you're doing kind of the, long, the longer trips. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you do? 
And this rider anxiety thing is quite, a, is quite a serious concern that a lot of people have put a lot of people off buying mm. fully electric cars. Stordot has come up with a flash battery for the electric cars that get this recharges in five minutes. That's a game changer. That's, that's, that's quite insane. like a, that's serious stuff. Cause yeah, mo- most consumers charge their electric cars overnight, well, don't they? It's six to eight hours. You yeah. come home, you plug your car in, lucky you plug your phone in, mm. which, which works great. Yeah. But imagine being able to charge your electric cars in five minutes, regardless of where you happen to be. That's quite serious. That'd be great. Um, yeah. So these guys do it and they worked out that they get something like 300 kilometers per, um, per one minute of charge versus the 12 kilometers of the current battery. So, um, if I was a batting man, and if these guys ever offer shares, yeah. these are your peeps to look out for. So, so I guess up. I'll throw my money at them. I rather. think rather them yeah. than the phone. Yeah. Okay, if you actually, you know, you don't, don't in, you got to invest in the company that makes the money. And these guys, hell, what's the golden rule? He who has the gold makes the rules. Exactly. So he's going to have a lot of gold soon. <laughs> so I think it's quite cool. Um, I've, ever, I've always kind of kept my eye on this whole battery thing, and stored out always keeps coming up and keeps coming up. Um, they've basically re-engineered the battery, and that's quite, that's quite rad. I'm exactly. quite, quite, quite cool with that. Nice. Yeah. So um, it's all about identifying the opportunity, I suppose, um, as, as with all these things go. Um, and when it comes to specifically new businesses, uh, a lot of the investors kind of look for, um, you know, what's potential? What's the potential of the business? Yeah. Um, you know, you've got a great idea. What's the team behind the business? Well, all of these are quite important, and all of these things are stuff that we'll be discussing with Run just after this little quick break. Um, so stay with us and get all these amazing tips because we want to give Run as much time on air as possible. We've had so many questions via Twitter. Oh, speaking of which, if you want to get a hold of us, is at cliffcentral.com on Twitter. On WeChat is cliffcentral. Otherwise, my um, Twitter account is at Liron underscore S-E-G-E-V. Oh, Daryl's one, it is. You can get me on at Daryl Linnington or on www.itnewsafrica.com. Right, so send us any questions that you have for Run. And if you have a business and you're looking for funding, hell, you've got to listen to this. Do you feel like I do now? I want to give you joy. And that was Real Joy by Phono Wiki Wiki. This, this, this <laughs> old DJ voice is not real cool. Come on, Leron. You know you love it. <laughs> yeah. All right, and we are back on Talking Tech on CliffCentral.com. My name is Leron Sager, the techie guy. Um, otherwise, I'm here in studio with Daryl Lennington from RT News Africa. What's Dar- up? Daryl's on something tonight. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure what it is, but you're not sharing with the rest of the class, and that's not so cool. It's those milkshakes. Uh, probably those milkshakes, so early in the morning. Something's on there. All right. Now, most importantly, we're in a studio with Aran, who is the co-CEO of the Creative Council. He's an investor in his own right. He's been around the startup block quite a few times. He's been there, done that, created the T-shirt, sold the T-shirt, manufactured the T-shirt. Um, Aran, are you ready for us? Yeah, and good morning. Good Thanks morning. for having me. Quite, quite an intro to live up to us, I must say. No pressure whatsoever. Maybe I must just drink some of Daryl's Super M and I'll be uh, ready, ready to rock and roll. <laughs> Anything can Special be a Super M studio. <laughs> um, all right, so Ryan, I think we, you kind of, you, if I look at kind of your experience where you've come from, um, kind of from selling your own handmade calendars in school <laughs> to cosmetics to, to everything else and now kind of 
you know, Creative Council is one of the largest agencies in the country. So it's quite a journey. Hell of a journey. Um, the calendars were before school. They were when I was three years old and I learned to use a pair of scissors and I disappeared for a day selling calendars. So I'm a born entrepreneur. Um, I've been uh, in startups many, many times. I've succeeded. I've failed. I've bought companies. I've invested in startups. Some have failed. Some have uh, succeeded. Um, gladly, I, I say that most have succeeded, which is why I'm still here. <laughs> Got to have more ups than downs, right? Exactly. But it's not. But the downs are quite impo- I mean, equally important. The downs are the most important, actually, because the ups are the fun, but the downs teach you the lessons. You only actually learn lessons on your own, on your own scars, or on the scars of your on your own back. No, that's true. I mean, but the, you know, this whole thing of, I mean, let's kind of look at, at, at South Africa as, as, as a, as a scene as a whole, I suppose. Um, there's this whole notion of, oh no, everyone's got brilliant ideas, but not enough money. Now, I think it's the other way around. There's lots of money. There's just not great ideas. How are you finding it? I think I agree with your sentiment that it's, uh, that there's lots of money and there's no great ideas. I think that the reason why this happens is because in South Africa, we find ourselves competing against South Africans. Now, the golden rule with tech is that, with tech, you're playing in a global, you're not opening a factory. So you're playing on a global playground. And I all too often find that South Africans create their benchmark against other South African companies, specifically in the tech game. And if, and they fail to even look north of the borders into places like Africa, sure. where great things are happening in Kenya, in Nigeria, in Tanzania. You may be aware, but, um, last year we won the award for the all Africa business leaders with CNBC. And the guys that were up against us actually weren't even South Africans. They were, People from Tanzania and, you know, working in tech, sure. one of them did renewable energy. So there are great things happening on the north of our borders in this continent. And I think South Africa needs to adopt a more worldwide view of what's happening. But, I mean, we, we are at the kind of arse end of the world, um, you know, left. But at the end of the day, tech is the great equalizer. So, uh, you know, when you're launching an app, you know, you're opening up a store, you're doing whatever you're doing, your customer could be from literally anywhere in the globe. You can't just think local. Of course not. I mean, and we've seen some great people in South Africa, people like the Ronnie Aptiakas, um, even if you take, look, let's look at a guy like Mark Shuttleworth, you know, sure. they did global things sitting in South Africa. So there's no reason, um, except for our, our bad mindset, well, yes. except for our bad mindset that we shouldn't be thinking international or thinking global. Um, if you look at a country like Israel, which in my mind is probably the best or the, or the fastest sure. when it comes to startups and tech startups, um, those guys aren't competing with Israelis. They're competing with the rest of the world, and they've got their vision set on the rest of the world. They say you never make money in Israel. You make money from, from Israel. Israel. <laughs> yeah. So a quick question from our side. You said that you've had a lot of successes and a lot of failures and that sort of thing. So what is the main thing that makes a startup fail? There are many things that make a startup fail, um, but I think the, the main thing about a startup is don't be afraid to fail because if you're afraid to fail, then you're afraid to try. And that's the problem. Um, in fact, I think the biggest lesson that I ever got, the biggest business lesson that I ever got was starting up an internet company in 1998 when the dot-com bubble was huge. Yeah, yeah. And I started up a – I managed to convince investors to invest probably, if, I, if you calculated, north of 20 million rand yeah. into my internet wow, okay. internet startup venture. And we're talking 1998 where when you sneezed the word internet, people yeah. threw money at you. <laughs> anyway, raised all this amazing money and the whole thing blew up in 2001 and we were left with, with absolutely nothing. Now, at the time, that was the blackest day of my life or the blackest period of my life. Yeah. I had to move back and live with my parents. I had no money. I, I remortgaged my house. I remortgaged my car. And at the time, all I saw was black. But in hindsight, that is the most important business lesson I've learned to date. Yeah. The lessons that I learned in failure – 
in how to identify failure, in how to deal with failure or how not to deal mm. with failure, um, in, in how to downsize a business very quickly. Those lessons have that is the one and only reason why today I run the Creative Council and why today the Creative Council is so successful because I learned from my failures. Yeah. So I think don't be afraid to fail. And that is the nature of startups. Mm. And if you're going into startups, then what you got to do is you got to say to yourself, I'm going to fail 10 times and on the 11th time I'm actually going to make it. But you've got to be able to weather those 10 times. Yeah. But, so but, it's but also learn from those 10 times. Yeah. I mean, if, if you failed and you haven't learned and you haven't changed, you haven't adapted from the previous failure, well then definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results. Exactly. Sure. And I don't know anyone who's learned anything from success. There we go. You, you only learn from failures and that's truly, truly, truly my that's motto. Good point. Absolutely. Um, I think that with, with this, again, with, with, with our kind of mentality and I like to kind of focus on that because that seems to be quite a key thing. You know, we speak to a lot of people, especially in the tech world where they always bitch and moan about, oh, I had that idea or, you know, it is exactly the same thing. But the difference between having the idea and doing the idea are worlds apart. So I must tell you a funny story. I lecture some uh, MBA students and entrepreneurship uh, students at one of the business schools in this country. And I walk into the first lecture and there are probably 200 people sitting in the room. And the, the, the course is about entrepreneurship. And I stand up and I say to them, so how many of you are actually entrepreneurs? And they all put up their hand, all 200 people. And I say, cool. So how many of you are working in real jobs or in full-time jobs? And about 80% put up their hands. And I look around and I go, well, you've got to decide. Are you an entrepreneur? Or are you working for someone? Sure. Because there, are, I think there are too many closet entrepreneurs out there <laughs> who are scared to come out the closet. Sure. And um, I think that human nature says, you know, that it takes them too long to come out the closet. And what they forget is that the later that they come out, the, the more the difficult that it becomes, the more the responsibilities are, the less energy you've got. Sure. I mean, when you're kind of young and, and, and hungry and you can take on the world and it's only you and only you have to move back into your parents' house, it's completely different mm. when you've got a mortgage, two kids to put through school. Uh, you know, the, 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 the risk-reward situation is very, very different. That's why you've got to start really early. And I often hear um, these entrepreneurs, and I say that in inverted commas, mm. I often hear them saying, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go and get a job and get experience yeah. and then yeah. I'm going to become an entrepreneur okay well then let's talk again when you've got all the experience <laughs> yeah. and all yeah. too often you see those same guys 10 years down the line and they're working at standard bank and they've done well and they've, they've climbed up to the sure. top but they're not entrepreneurs there's mm. a great guy there's a great book which i was referred to um called tim ferris the four hour work week um it's kind of like my, my go-to guy um <laughs> and his whole thing is do you want to become kind of that fat man in a bmw uh, and that's the whole thing is that once you get into a routine, you know, it's easy to get a paycheck and it's easy just to keep doing what you did yesterday. The only thing is that what, you know, because everyone says going on to your own is very risky. Now, to me, I look at it very, very differently. I'm saying if you're employed at a big corporate. That's risky. That's risky. Yeah, How that's many risky. big corporates have not, you know, the olden days was you, you worked for 20 years, you got a golden handshake, got a nice Rolex watch and off you went on your merry way. They looked after you in retirement. Those days are gone. People have chopped and changed. Huge corporates close down. If your division doesn't do well because of 12 other people's faults, you're out just like the rest of them. There's nothing you can do about it. Mm. There are different types of personalities. I mean, I, I think entrepreneurship is not for everyone. And startups, startups in particular, particular yeah. are, are very, are, are very, very tough place to be. Because, you know, everyone talks about the hockey stick graph where, you know, you go down and then only after a certain period of time you go up. And I think that a lot of those people just can't weather the down. And, you know, you go down and you get hit and you get hit and you get hit and you get hit. When we raised capital in, in 1998, I think we were turned down about 50 times 
I think we were ready to close down. And I think the last investor meeting that we had, we were so desperate. We had to make it. It was the last it was one. It, it was it. There was no one else to call. If, if this guy didn't invest in us, or if this company never invested in us, there was no one else to call. We had seen the whole town. <laughs> Everybody knew about us. No one wanted to invest in us. And we walked into the meeting with the mindset of, we are desperate. If this doesn't work, we have no money. We have no job. Now what? And we made it work. Um, and I think that that's what entrepreneurship and particularly particularly in startups is about. But now, just to backtrack on that, what actually drove that passion to get to that 50th person and try and convince them? What, what, what's paying the bills drive? might have something to do with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> just saying. Ironically, actually, I must say it wasn't about paying bills because oh, yeah. w- what happened was, I mean, I've had a job. Uh, uh, I was employed for four, four months of my life. Sure. I was a stockbroker. I lasted uh, the, the better part of four months before I got kicked out of the stockbroking firm. I was, I think, too young and too ambitious for the firm in which I worked. <laughs> yeah. And uh, at the time, I saw a gap for online stock trading, which didn't exist at the time. And I said, I've got the satya. I'm going to go and raise money for this thing called internet stockbroking. Sure. All the buzzwords. All the buzzwords. Charles Schwab had just started and my plan was to go up against Charles Schwab. And E-Trade had just started and my plan was to go up against people like E-Trade. And um, so, yes, so I left. And, you know, myself and Gil, my business partner, who was my business partner back then, we were so focused we we believed so much in our idea. Uh, we had thought through it rationally so many, so many, so many times. And I actually want to take a step back after this and just explain to you the, the process that we went through. But we were so passionate that for us, there was no end in sight. This is all we knew. It's almost like you wake up in the morning. This is all you know. You yeah. wake up and you fight and you fight and you fight. And there was no plan B. Yeah. There was no, it's not like we had five other ideas. Sure. And if, there was no plan B. We had to make this work. I all too often say to top entrepreneurs that I mentor, you're not desperate enough. And mm. I mean that because unless you're absolutely desperate, then you've got too many options. And when you've got options, then you've got ways out. And if you've got way, ways out, when the going gets tough, sure. really tough, yeah. when you can't pay your bills and, and the husbands of the people that are working for you are phoning to threaten you because you just don't have money to pay, that's when the going gets tough. You can't have a plan B. You need to have your plan A and you need to make sure that your plan A works. Otherwise, what you do is you completely deviate to plan B. You find people that become unfocused. But I mean, it's easy to rely on plan B. So that's one of the people who do, uh, I believe if you're the entrepreneur type and you're going out to create the business, then you can't be employed because that's the plan B. That's the easy way. Say, if it doesn't work this week, it's fine. I'll meet the investor next week because I'm still getting a paycheck. Yeah. Um, you know what my yeah. favorite thing is? Um, I'm, I, I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm working in a job. So I say, hold on a second. You're working in a job and you're an entrepreneur. What are you waiting for? I'm waiting for an idea to yeah. come around. Okay, no, ideas are not going to come okay. around. <laughs> I find if yeah. you really want to go on your own and you're young enough and you don't have that many responsibilities and you can be prudent, leave your job. Mm. And the first day, the, the next morning, that's the first day of your entrepreneur life. And guess what? There'll be nothing to do. And you'll start networking and going for coffees and reading and meeting and meeting. And this one will introduce you to that one. And eventually what will happen is you'll build a network and you'll, you'll build a direction. The, the, the thing is that um, a lot of people are afraid to ask. And, and that kind of seems to be also a, a, a big hindrance because they say, oh, no, they'll just know I'm looking for a job or they'll just know I'm looking for investment. And I've got this great idea. Of course, everybody's just going to know. No, that doesn't really work that way. So you know when you're a, when you're a banker or you're when, when you're in marketing or when you're in advertising or whatever it is, there's circles, there are communities of people. So 
because that's a profession and sure. people of, the, of like-minded profession, t- pr- profession tend to stick together in gatherings and in networking events and, uh, uh, and the like. There and it's the same thing with before. entrepreneurs. It's the same thing with, with entrepreneurs. You'll find that you just gotta, you know, if, if you work, I'm gonna keep using the bank example because I think that's the epitome of people who believe they're gonna be entrepreneurs one day, but, but, are, <laughs> but are still working at the bank. Um, if you, if you keep hanging around with the people from the bank, you're not hanging around the right people who are going to bring you opportunity. So on the day that you decide you're an entrepreneur, you start to become members of, a, a member of forums. I'm sure. a member of, of uh, YPO, which is Young President's Organization. Yeah. I'm a member of WP, uh, sorry, of um, EO, which is Entrepreneur Organizations. Uh, I mentor at a whole lot of these um, uh, entrepreneur events. I have a few guys, a few underprivileged guys that I take under my wing to mentor those guys. And I do that to stay in touch with the pulse of what's going on in these these organizations. And yes, it's a hell of a lot of an investment. It's the evenings after work. It's mornings before work. It's sometimes time during work. Um, But it's worth it because I believe that I'm an entrepreneur and I'm looking for investments and I'm looking for opportunities. Um, Sometimes it's not even a financial thing. I just I have a passion for watching small businesses become big businesses or ideas become businesses. But yeah, the thing is, who you hang around with also makes the world of a difference. Because there's, it's too easy to say no, and it's too easy to say negative. And there's, you know, if you say, you ask, look, I've got this great idea. What do you think? The seven people that you've asked are typically employed, haven't tried going out for themselves, are just as miserable as you are. And I just want to say, and I just stick to what you're doing. And where do you know those people from? Yeah, from your work, circles, from yeah. Circle. normal circles. You need to expand your circle exactly to become right. the right circle. Um, the power of networking, don't underestimate it. I used to believe that it wasn't that important. The power of networking, it, no, no, it cl- hell of important. And by the way, those organizations that you mentioned, uh, you've got to qualify. I mean, you've got to be specific. Uh, you can't, not everyone can just walk in and say, hi, here's a membership. I'd like to come in. Um, but there are lots of other networking opportunities. For depending on which industry you're in, um, for example, there's something called Mobile Monday for guys who are there's in the Mobile tech Monday. I mean, there's a whole host of them, but you've got to find them. There are a few incubators that, that are popping up in South Africa, which is quite encouraging. Places like Seed Engine with, um, or Redwood Capital, a guy called Jeff Miller, who's, who's, who's a real venture capitalist at heart. And he starts these institutions for these youngsters who have got ideas. And if you walk into his office, it's, it, it literally mirrors an Israeli incubator right. where they've got all the support functions. They've got great, Experienced CEOs that come and mentor them, and they're just a bunch of people with a bunch of unbelievable ideas. Uh, the important thing, I think, where, um, is the hunger to learn. Because uh, the the attitude of a lot of people, which I kind of meet, are is like, no, 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 no I, I'm doing it right. I know exactly what I'm doing. I don't need anybody's opinion. Well, all right, carry on, do what you want to do. Yeah. But the guys who are hunger to learn, and everybody can learn something at any stage of your life. Doesn't matter what you've done. It's a double-edged sword because you've got to be willing to learn from other people, but sometimes what you learn from other people can hamper you. So if you take – I'm going to use the cliched examples, but if you take a Steve Jobs or a Bill Gates yeah. or something, yeah. they didn't learn <laughs> – I hate using cliched examples. But I see it in my everyday life. Why? Because people come to me and say, can you teach me how to do this? And I look at them and I go, I think you could teach me a thing or two. You just need to have the courage of your own convictions. And I keep saying, when you do a startup, believe in yourself, run – Take advice from as many people as you possibly can, but ultimately you make the decision. Go forward, and if you hit the wall, get up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you'll, you will hit the uh, – okay, to be clear, most people will hit the wall many times. Yeah, sure. uh, I mean, you'll have those bruises, lots of – and battle scars. The stats, yeah. are, the, stats are, the stats are probably one in ten. So one, one in ten startups actually succeed. So prepare yourself to fail ten times before you actually succeed. Well, I mean, and 10 is a serious number. 10 is a serious number. <laughs> that's, 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 Believe me, I felt, it. I felt a few of the 10. 
Snow, would you say that um, people are, who are creating startups and that sort of thing, um, like the Ampian Venture Bus and all of that, do you think it's a good idea for them to go to those incubators and those hubs? So I love I love the concept of an incubator. I love the hubs. Why? Because you're sitting around like-minded individuals who can help you solve problems. Um, there's a great energy in those incubators. So it's inspirational. It's inspirational. My brother um, actually started his business venture in Tel Aviv in an incubator. And uh, I went to visit him in the incubator. And the energy and the, the brains in that incubator from, yeah. from fellow startup people mm-hmm. was incredible. But, but it's infectious as well. I mean, everybody wants to succeed. Everyone wants to piggyback off everybody else's success and you kind of, you rally together. And the end goal is to make it, is to, is to make it, is to do it. 100%. And we don't have this, unfortunately, we don't have the incubator mentality in South Africa. We don't have the startup mentality in South Africa. We're not a country that's geared up for startups and we're not a country that's geared up for, for incubation. Um, countries that have taken it seriously have taken it seriously with things like, like the government. Now, if you look at the South African government, um, they introduced the youth subsidy, which is to create jobs. Right. But how are you going to create jobs if there are no entrepreneurs? Because government's not creating jobs. Sure. Corporate right now, with the economy, the way that the economy is, is not really creating jobs. Um, who's supporting the entrepreneurs? Who, uh, who's giving grants to businesses? Yes, we've got the DTI. Have you tried yeah, to get money I, from the DTI? <laughs> I've, I've been to so many lectures and so many events where the minister starts off by saying, with the praise of God, and then the next thing is, the SMMEs is where it's at. We've got so much money. Come and we'll help you. I don't know of a single case ever of anybody getting anything from them. You know what my, my dream is? And I don't know if I'll ever get to do it, but I really want to do it. So I want to take a, an old desolate building in, in downtown Johannesburg. And I want to start a hospital for startups. Nice. So you walk in and you get a ticket and you get a <laughs> consultant or a doctor. Yeah. And you walk in and these small guys who've got business problems, starting a salon, starting a, a fruit and veg business, Right up to guys who've got these tech ideas. Sure, sure. You'll be surprised what's going on with the tech guys. I met a guy last year. He's, he, he runs a channel on YouTube called The Adventures of Nokomashaba. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. No. They get about a million hits every time they do a YouTube video. Sure. A million hits every time they do a YouTube video. So I thought I was meeting the CEO of this you know, huge yeah, company. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. guy's got probably 100 videos that they haven't didn't count. Productions and the whole Production, yeah. He... He produces and codes and uploads and everything from, from one computer from his shack in Soweto. Yeah. And it doesn't cost him more than 20,000 Rand to upload a video. Okay. Yeah. Now he needs business advice and he needs sure. business mentorship. He's not getting it at school. The government doesn't really have a support structure. They have a lot of talk or clue or clue. <laughs> exactly. So, so like I say, if we want to take on startups and we want to take on the world seriously, it starts from the top or the bottom, mm-hmm. but it starts from the top. Um, we need to get serious. We need to put structures in place and we need to put real money in the hands of real people to start real initiatives. Real initiative. Absolutely. Um, all right. We're going to be back more with Run after this quick break. We'll be talking about startups. We're talking about investing. We're talking about how to get your business off the ground and get off your ass and do something quite important after the break. I am the future of South Africa. On my shoulders, I carry the hopes and dreams of generations to come. I'm eager to learn but even more eager to use my knowledge for good. I know that it's not where I come from, but where I'm going to that really matters. At Sibanya Gold, we believe our youth is worth its weight in gold, which is why we are so committed to developing, nurturing, and grooming our young people into future leaders. Sibanya Gold, we are one. Freedom. Breathe. 
Jordan We are from Vita The electric one Just to shock you see He left us the sun Talking Tech With the Techie Guy Leon Segev On CliffCentral.com and that was Pharrell Williams with Freedom. Is it Williams or Will I Ams? Oh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he's coming to South Africa. Really? Yeah. When? Who cares? <laughs> anyway, um, right, we'll be back on Talking Tech with the techie guy, Liron Segev, as me. And we're in the studio. We've got Daryl from RT News Africa. How's it going? And we're talking to Run, the co-CEO of the Creative Council and an investor in his own rights. And he's giving us these amazing bits of information about startup the world what you should be doing and not doing, which is quite critical. Um, one of the questions we received via Twitter um, whilst we were on that break um, is from a guy called Afro IP, who, funny enough, his question is, how much emphasis is there on IP? Right? Uh, how, 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 how much do you believe in your idea? This is, the, this is I think, the question. Could so, be. You know, you, know what I, you know what I find? I find that uh, I've been in meetings where, where guys walk into the office and they make me sign a non-disclosure agreement. You know, mm-hmm. we, really, we, we can't present until you sign this, this non-disclosure agreement. And I look at the, at, the, at the idea that they present, and it's nothing different from anything I've seen in the past. So I think, yeah, look, if you've got an amazing idea and you think that it's completely, completely unique and you've done the homework, then get to a point where you've developed your idea far enough before you present it. Um, again, I'm going to use the example of my brother who's currently working in Tel Aviv. They've been raising capitals. I think uh, capital. I think they must be now in their tenth round of capital raising, and their their product isn't even working. And now they've made their 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 IP almost public. Why? Because by the time you catch mm-hmm. up to them, you're two years ahead of them. So yes, do your homework, get the IP. Um, bu- build your IP, but at some point you've got to share it because then people will develop it or develop it around it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Don't be too precious about your idea because all too often, if you've done enough thinking, there's no way that someone can come and replicate it. So let's use oh. the battery example that you guys thought out. Um, they've now gone public, not, not public, but they've pretty much told us what it is that makes their batteries unique. It'll take you five years to work out how to get to, the, to where they got, got to. And just as many learnings as they, as they went through in Ex- those first five exactly, years. Exactly, exactly. Um, so just to follow up on that from Tina who says, um, you know, there's a big thing about do I hold my idea close to my chest um, and then do nothing with it or do I kind of start opening it up a little bit more to the likes of the investors, the, the trademark lawyers, etc. How far are you into your idea? Have you thought enough about your idea so that the next person can't think of the same idea the next morning? Have you thought enough about how to execute on your idea? Because once you've done the thinking, then put your idea out there because chances are it'll take people a long time to get to where the hell you've got to. Yeah, but I think there's also a bit of naivety as well because people say, well, oh no, Facebook has got blue. I'm going to make mine green. And wow, people love green. So is that they think they've got this unique selling point where it actually isn't. That's not IP. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's really not IP. <laughs> uh, well, but, you know, sometimes I, I, I see that a lot. I see that a lot. You know, we went, we, uh, we did a TV show last year on uh, one of the SABC channels, which was a, uh, Almost call it a replica of the Dragon's Den where we had investors. And you should have heard some of these guys and some of the ideas they came with. It was embarrassing. You know, and, and you know, it was aired on the SABC one. I thought to myself, you know, this is something that most of the country is going to see. Yeah. And they believe that these are good ideas. Taking a blue idea and making it green is not an idea. Um, but, but sometimes they need to hear it. Sometimes, you know, I always say no is not the answer you want to hear, but it's an answer. Uh, sometimes people need to be shaken and say, stop it. 
Yeah. Okay, you're being silly. Move on. And okay. you know, a good idea, a good idea, for me, the litmus test about a good idea is, is it going to disrupt? Mm. You know, if you, yeah. let, let's take Uber, for example. You know, Uber, in my mind, yes, there's a lot of controversy about it. And yes, again, it's one of the most cliched examples in, in, love in, Uber. in uh, tech. But we love it. Why? Because it's the biggest disruptor, not only because it disrupted an industry, it disrupted Every industry sure. You know Saturday night I wanted to stay in I went for a long run In the afternoon My legs were tired I didn't want to go And fetch takeaways I thought I'm going to try And cheat the system <laughs> And I dropped my Uber pin At the grill house Instead <laughs> of at my house And I phoned the driver And I said Yes you're picking me up From the grass But you're picking up a burger uh, no. You know it's, It really disrupts Every industry yeah. now But I mean that's, and, and I'll tell you Why I love Uber And what they're doing Is exactly the topic That we're discussing South Africa is all about entrepreneurship and going to create employment for the country. What's Uber done is exactly that. They've come in and they've created 2,000 jobs already. They're on set to create 15,000 jobs in the next couple of years. And what has government done? They've said, no, you haven't signed a piece of paper. Therefore, we're impounding your vehicles. It's not a safety thing. It's not a an issue with the way that they're operating. It just it doesn't fit what government wants them to fit. So look, I, I have, uh, I've been the biggest Uber proponent, really the biggest propo- Uber proponent in the world. I think the whole world is going to be driven by Uber. I think that what Amazon has done in the last 20 years, trying to develop this mm. last mile solution mm, mm. was replicated by Uber in with yeah. one app with 40 people sitting in a room. And I could go on and on and on about it. Mm. But I think there is a flaw and I don't think the flaw, unfortunately, is with Uber. I think the flaw is with government. Government, sure. Government has made money selling taxi licenses or taxi medallions all around the world for many, many, many years. Um, In my mind, the problem is that government created this fake barrier. Now when the market comes into equilibrium, where capitalism starts to rule, where competition starts to rule, all of a sudden the governments can't handle it. And now you take a taxi driver in Manhattan City where he's paid $250,000 for his taxi number. Mm -hmm. It is a little bit unfair that all of a sudden there's this guy driving around in his little RX <laughs> where you can order him for free. Yeah. So I, I do see both sides of the story. I think that the responsibility lies on government, government. to remove to remove the legislations that don't allow things like Uber because ultimately the world will become a more efficient place whether we like it or not. If sure. it's not Uber, it's going to be somebody else or something else. It's going to be drones. It's going to be whatever it is. Uh, let let me just, give you an example, one last example about Uber. We went to Cannes for the Cannes Line Advertising Awards. And um, the Uber, um, the Cannes Line Awards is a big time for Cannes. It's one of the biggest mm-hmm. times of the year. The film sure. festival is the biggest, and the second is the Cannes Line Awards. And uh, the taxi drivers went on strike because of Uber. So you could not get a taxi for any money. The problem is that Uber was so intimidated that you couldn't get a U- Uber. An Uber. Uh. No problem. Uber launched Uber Helicopter. And for 50 euros more, it was 100 euros to get from Cannes to Nice where the airport was by, by Uber. By Uber helicopter, it was 150 euros. You could press a button and a helicopter would come and fetch you and take you to the airport. So <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> like, hello? But 50 uh, euros more. But that's what happened. But if you remember, when Uber, just sorry, I mean, we're we all going, going down this Uber track. But that's what happened in Uber in the UK. When they first came out, the, all the taxis went on strike. And the only option you had was to take an Uber. Best marketing 
ever. Yeah, you, couldn't, you couldn't buy the car. I took, kind of uh, I, I gave up my car for 10 days and I only used Uber. And See, I still haven't used the Uber service yet. It's crazy. No, no, that's ridiculous. You know how much crazy. work you get done at the back of an Uber? Really? And yeah. by the way, since my car got stolen and I had to Uber everywhere, um, the amount of billable hours you could do sitting at the back of an Uber rather than watching traffic is amazing. Don't forget one thing. Don't forget, <laughs> don't, forget, don't forget one thing. The people from New York and the people from London and the people from Germany, when they commute, they commute on a train or on a bus. So when they're driving to work, they've got that one hour when they're catching up on emails mm-hmm. and replying yeah. to emails and getting the head start. I did a, like I said, I did an experiment where I gave up my car for 10 days and I only used Uber. I wasn't allowed to touch my car keys. How'd you, that work out? It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Really? Um, no matter where I was, I managed to get a driver. I was in easily, Soweto. Easily. Mm. I was in Soweto, middle of Soweto. Pressed the button. Six mm. minutes later, there was an Uber who came to pick me up. The driver drove me back to my office. So just on that Soweto thing, we're just um, speaking to Uber a couple of days ago. The amount of trips originating and ending in Soweto now has, has increased hundredfold since they've launched. Last year, 2014, they did one million trips in South Africa. To date, 2015, in six months, we've done two million trips already. Yeah. Okay, so again, is, 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 going is, back to it, it's simple and it's disruptive. And if you think about it, they've thought well through their business model. They've got every angle covered. The sure. fact that within 10 minutes of the taxi strike in France, they introduced helicopters was shows me that these guys have thought through their business model. Uh, on the ball. Yeah. And how many companies are trying to replicate it? You've yeah. got Lyft, you've got sure, Halo, sure. you've got Get Taxi, you've got a million and other, million one others. But you, they're so far ahead in their thinking sure. and they've got first to market advantage. That unfortunately you can't beat them. Listen, That's going uh, back to the idea. Uh, uh, and the whole thing is that when you start um, using Uber as a verb, it's the Uber of the pizza applications and it's the Uber of the delivery service. You know, they've become kind of something to, to aspire to. Yeah. Because they've been so disruptive around the world. Just by doing what? An app? Realistically, mm. it's a software company that's disrupted the transport com- as transport industry to start off with. Sure. And they moved up to Nigeria from what I've heard as well. What's happening in Africa as far as, as tech is concerned, as far as startups are concerned? You mentioned Kenya before. I mean, we know M-Pesa is kind of the world's biggest story, um, how well they've done with mobile money. Um, we're a mobile-only continent, not a mobile-first continent. We skipped desktop. It was awesome. Great advantage because I think who need who the hell needs a desktop? Sure. Uh, I think the only time I ever work on a desktop is when I'm preparing for presentations. So I think Africa's got a, an amazing, amazing advantage on the rest of the world because we're a mobile-only society. We don't rely on our desktops, and in particular, um, up in places like Kenya. I think South Africa has a complex. We decided, or our people decided, that we're not going to adopt technology. We like we like to be simple, and we like to keep things the way they are, and we like to fix. If you take a lower LSM person in South Africa, let's let's call it for for sake of argument, three different LSM groups, A, B, C, and you take C. C are people that are earning under say two and a half thousand rand a month per household. And those guys maybe have adopted SMS. Maybe if we're lucky, have adopted WhatsApp. If you take the same person in a place like Rwanda, mm. those people rely on their cell phones for everything, mm-hmm. for football scores, for mobile money. In Kenya, every single person has an M-Pesa account. Every single person does their transfer in M-Pesa. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was up in Kenya a couple of weeks ago and I, I saw the boom of it. It's like, People discussing, and it's like, no, just impesa to me, or, you know, and I'll pull out my, my bank card text- to pay for something, and the guy looks at me like I'm what foreign that? to the country, <laughs> which I was, but yeah. I was in a taxi, and I saw a little bracelet on the side of the road, and I thought, I'm going to buy my girlfriend this bracelet. It, yeah. it was the equivalent of three rand, and I didn't have any Kenyan money on me. Mm. 
And the taxi driver said, don't worry. And he said to the guy, what's your impersonal number? And he quickly did the impersonal thing. For me, the the thing that I cannot understand is why won't South Africans proactively adopt Impesa? It is the smartest, smartest, smartest thing. Mm. We have crime in South Africa, much more crime than the rest of Africa. We shouldn't carry cash. At all. At all. Sure. Mm. Okay. We all hate standing in the lines at the bank. You don't need to stand in line at the bank. You have your mobile phone. Transfer uh, money using a pesa, and, and this is why what companies like Snapscan is doing are, are doing so well, and yeah. companies like Zapper are doing so well. Finally, taking us into the thinking that but our phones are actually our, ma- our money as well. But that's great. Mm. But that's in the higher income. No, no, of course. You, you need a, you now need two things. If you want to use a Snapscan, and you need two things. You need a, you need a smartphone number one, sure. and you need to understand how to use QR codes. Yeah, yeah. The the person who needs it the most, the guys who are living in the rural areas, when when they have to go to the bank, it means either catching a taxi or walking for two hours. Those are the guys that need to get enabled. Well, we do have it. I mean, we've got MTN mobile wallet, and we do have a Vodacom solution as well. The problem is it's just not being adopted. Exactly. I I think it's more the fact that people are scared to use that sort of service. I think there's a trust issue. So I think um, when I've done um, a bunch of research um, around this topic, and the biggest thing is trust. Mm. So people understand, uh, I'll give you the typical example of buying airtime. People buy airtime, but they want something back. So I'm giving you five, you know, 10 rand. You got to give me a piece of paper with a code that I can scratch yeah. or a code that I can put into my phone. Yes, we can SMS it to you, but automatically load into your phone. But you go to certain places, I'm not talking about Johannesburg, Santon. Yeah. Talking about you go, you leave those areas. People want something in return for their money. Yeah, I think, I think unfortunately it's a cultural thing for us. I think we were slow on the start for the internet. Uh, I think the the masses, the bottom end of the market, turned around and said, "You know, we're uneducated yeah, yeah. and therefore we can't use the internet." And it's wrong because it there are uneducated people in the rest of Africa who use the internet fine, and in fact have used the internet to get educated. So there's no excuse. I think what we need to do is we need to drive penetration and we need to drive adoption. Look, one of the things is just going back kind of to to to, to our tech thing. There's a big, um, there's a big issue here with failure. Um, there's a big stigma with failure. Whereas I find in a lot of places around the world, people are saying, um, I tried this thing, it didn't work, but check what I'm doing now. Versus here, where you, if something doesn't work, you're almost embarrassed to kind of actually say that it didn't work and you kind of, you kind of go back to your hiding spot. Are you finding that as well? When you say failure, that means that your first idea has failed. Now, can you show me one business where what they actually set out to do is mm-hmm. what they're doing today? Yes, I think if you spoke to Mark Zuckerberg and you see the Harvard intranet type Facebook thing failed. It failed. But what evolved out of it was this worldwide sure. um, uh, a platform. And I think when you fail, it's just a little diversion. In, it's, it's like you turn left and right on your way to, to a certain d- destination. Recalculating. Recalculating. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Failure is just recalculating. You know what, what failure is? That. Mm. Failure is when you give up. Yeah. Well, that's exactly When you say, I'm going to go and find a job again. But I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I'm going to go and find a job again. Uh, that's when, that's and, when and, and everybody goes through the ups and downs. But I think that's where your network's important. Yeah. That's where you sit down, like the likes of YPO, is where you sit around the room and you say, hey, guys, I screwed up here. Um, how do I fix it? What do you, what advice can you give me? Everybody will kind of chip in and, and, and genuinely want to help, but you've got to get the right network. Power yeah. of the network and power of the right people around you. You know, at YPO and at EO, I've got two, well, a great forum specifically now with EO, and I know that with those guys, I can ask them whatever I want and I'll get sure. the true, factual, unadulterated, well, and unemotional, an so, unemotional answer. And I think that's critical because a lot of people, you know, don't tell me what I want to hear. Okay, because you're not helping me. Yeah. Uh, tell me what I should be doing to fix it. And yeah. that's helped me. Listen, you fucked up here. 
Okay, end of story. You should have not have done this. You should have gone the other direction. Yeah. Okay, now I know. As opposed to, oh, shame, man. That's okay. Yeah. You know, that doesn't, that, that <laughs> yeah. doesn't help. Look, I'm, I'm glad it's not as direct as that. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah. But, I mean, surround yourself with the right people. And if you're an entrepreneur, surround yourself with fellow entrepreneurs. So, quick one from my side. Um, obviously, you guys mentioned that South African governments aren't really picking up startups much. So, which African countries are investing in startups that actual South Africans or people up in those countries can look at? So, I can't tell you factually because I don't know of all the initiatives that Kenya is doing or Tanzania is doing yeah. or Nigeria is doing. But, I mean, just a walk in the streets in Lagos and and you get this feel that that country is very serious about yeah. entrepreneurship. And, and those so guys operate in order to survive. And they don't fall back and complain that the government's not doing anything. They're getting up and they're just doing it and, and doing it themselves. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure of the, of the rules and the laws and who's investing and what they're investing in, but uh, you can tell from the mindset of the people. If you go to Nairobi, Nairobi is bustling yeah. with yeah, activity today, and everybody's got an idea and everybody's looking for funding. I was in Tel Aviv last week. You sit in the coffee shops on, on Rothschild or on one of the big roads in Tel Aviv, and all you hear is these youngsters with these ideas, presentations, yeah. meeting, pa pa pa. Things that we happen. don't have that yet. Yeah. See, but I mean, the whole thing, I mean, there's like this term called coffers, which is your kind of your coffee shop office. And you've seen San Francisco, you've seen San Diego, you've seen Dallas, you've seen Tel Aviv, where it's all that. It's just laptops and people are just buzzing with ideas and discussing. And I'm meeting this and who are you meeting? What can you do for me? Look, and it's, it's a culture. It's, it's a, a culture. Thing, but it's an awesome mindset, but it's infectious. And yeah. you just want to be part of it. And you want to be, yeah, where do we go? You sit in your car by yourself. You drive to Santon City, you go to your one meeting, you get back into your car and you go to your office. We don't have this networking culture. We don't walk the streets. We don't do those kind of things. And I think that's what's lacking. We seriously have a I think the, here. I think the closest that we've got is if you go sit at the Hyatt or one of those hotels. Yeah, yeah. Or Melrose Arch, Arch, JB's. Arch. <laughs> and you go and sit in the lobby there, you see a lot of businessmen. But, but even then, people startup are so, culture. But also people are too scared. Like there, I think the kind of, I'm going to use the term chutzpah because that's the only way I can kind of describe yes. it. Someone will overhear someone talking about a, an issue they're having with a server move that they did over the mm. weekend. Like, I mean, let's just say I did that, but <laughs> someone had a, an issue and somebody will come up to them and say, sorry, t- I overheard you having a problem with a server. Here's my card. Um, I can help you. Yeah. We, here are people are going, I don't know him. How, how, why would I walk up to that yeah, person? Why would I trust that guy? Why would I discuss yeah. even the stuff with him? It's, it's his problem, not mine. Mm. It's a different culture. We've got to change our culture. We've got to get people to do more and talk less. I think that's the, that's the bottom line here. All right. Well, speaking of, of, of things to do. So we better wrap up. So what can you give us a couple of tips? If so, if I'm a startup, I've got this great idea. I believe in it. I'm working for myself. I really want to make this thing happen. I'm about to pitch to a VC. I'm about to pitch to a bank and to an investor, to somebody. What should I be doing? So the first, the first thing I can give you is don't pitch your idea too early. When I say don't pitch your idea too early, you know, entrepreneurs get very excited about the fact that they have an idea um, and they get very nervous about the fact that they're not in a full-time job. So what they tend to do is instead of thinking about the idea for a while and modeling the idea to phase one and phase two and phase three, what they do is they pitch the idea too early and they sit in front of these investors and the investors in most of the cases are quite conservative, mm-hmm. should we say. Mm-hmm. You know, they're holding on to their money. When, it, when, an, uh, when an entrepreneur pitches to an investor, it's really like the dragon's den. You sit there and then, you know, the one guy's saying and the other guy's completely blocked and, and the guy's trying to pitch his way through, you know. I want to pitch my way through mm-hmm. to you. Um, think about your idea to the point, think about your idea to the point um, in which you really believe that you have IP before you go out and you present it. 
I think that's the I think I think that's the, the first bit of advice. And then shoot as many arrows as possible. Go and see as many investors as you possibly can because every single investor has their own um needs or their own uh, um investment criteria. And what you need to do um you need to go and find the right investor for the right product. If in nineteen ninety eight when we raised capital for our for our venture, I think we probably saw a hundred people. Sure. Okay. I I knew the presentation backwards. backwards. But let me tell you, I was a master of pitching that presentation, <laughs> and that's how we raised the money. But the, because it also it was trust that you portrayed in your team, yes. And, and people, uh, their idea is great, and they'll invest in the idea, obviously. But someone's got to execute it, yeah. and a lot of the investors of they want to be hands off, but they yeah. want to make sure you're not messing with their yeah. money. So one more, one more tip, which I, I wish I'd taken on board, and I didn't. When an investor gives you feedback. All too often you may think to yourself, he doesn't know what he's yeah, talking about. He doesn't understand me. He doesn't understand me. He <laughs> doesn't understand what I'm trying to achieve. He, he, he doesn't understand technology. That's why he doesn't get this. Investors are smart people. Mm. If they have money, there's a reason why they have money. It's because they're smart. It's because they know what to invest in. Try and take as much of the feedback as you can from your roadshow, from the roadshow to investors and incorporate that into your next presentation. But also it, it's, it, business is business. Whether it's technology, whether it's fashion, whether it's whatever. Um, at the end of the day, the investor has got a certain mindset. I'm going to put an X in. I want to get Y out. Uh, so they don't, might, not, might not understand the technology, but I promise you they've got people who do. Yeah, that's how it works here uh, in the valley and in, 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 in Israel. People are throwing money at problems. I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. Um, um, yeah, here's a million dollars. Um, you've got an idea. Here's a million dollars, and uh, we'll chat to you soon. Please test. Yeah, please <laughs> What do you mean I'll chat to you soon? Do you not want like time? No, we'll chat to you. And so I think it's a different mindset. I think in South Africa we have a conservative mindset, unfortunately, and therefore we have to pitch your ideas conservatively. Um, if you do have a fantastic idea and you believe that your idea is big in international standards, mm-hmm. we've got crowdfunding websites. You've got sure. places like Kickstarter. You're competing against the rest of the world. Uh, and those, that's what I do love about those crowdsourcing, um, crowdfunding sites. There's no better way to test a price point or an appeal of a product, then putting it on there. If you yeah. put a product on there and you get zero returns, move on with your life. Something is not right here. I say thing. if you're going to go into a startup, you've got to be brave. If you're going to go into a tech startup, you've got to be really brave. <laughs> because tech, you're competing against the rest sure. of the world. Um, make sure that, you, that you've that oh, But it's doable. I mean, it's of course it's terrible. Any, I mean, they are, they are, don't be put off by the fact that you are competing with the rest of the world. They're all your customers. You know, we've invested, we invested in a business called Papa Media. Papa Media is a Facebook uh, media business. Um, they have developed a, a, a product that is amazing by worldwide standards. No matter where you deploy that product, they have a Facebook integrated partner sitting in Africa. They're the only Facebook preferred marketing developer sitting in Africa, right. like you called it earlier, the ass end of Africa. What did you? I'm just <laughs> quoting you. The ass end of Africa. I hope you won't give me a thousand rand fine. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. I mean, this guys. I mean, we 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 have to cut it. I mean, we can talk on all of this. Um, run. Unfortunately, we'll have to have you back on. I mean, it's just one of those things. Um, we've got a whole bunch of WhatsApps and um, and WeChat message saying, "Brilliant show, guys. Please bring your guest back on." That's from just me. So, um, yeah, we definitely have to do a version two. Let's do it. Tell me when. That'll be done. Guys, thank you very much. Um, so this has been very informative. If you didn't, if you missed the show for whatever stupid reason, because you were doing something else on a Monday, it will be available as a podcast download shortly. And obviously, we'll tweet out links and relevant information. Um, if you need to get a hold of us, so get a hold of me. It's at Lerod underscore S-E-G-E-V. 
Um, Daryl, what's your Twitter handle? It's at Daryl Lennington, or you can get, grab me at www.icnewsafrica.com. And otherwise, on my blog, it's thetechieguy.com, and we've got very, very cool stuff there, as well as our YouTube channel, too. Otherwise, we'll see you same time, same time next week. Hell yeah. Cliffcentral.com.